Blog Talk Radio. It's October 8, 2017. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and David Filling in his on assignment. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. To be sure, each and every member of the leadership team of Working for a Living is committed to returning our union, the UAW, to a labor ethos, and that ethos then administered in the interest of all the rank-and-file members. Having said that, we certainly hope everyone had an enjoyable week and that you had a lot of fun and stayed safe. As we honor, revere, and remember those deceased, wounded, or injured in the Mandalay Bay Massacre in Las Vegas, Hurricane Maria, Puerto Rico, Hurricane Irma, Caribbean and Florida, Hurricane Harvey, Texas, and Hurricane Nate, Caribbean and the Gulf Coast. Let us have a moment of silence. Thank you. Our hearts and prayers go out and thoughts go out to all of those folks affected by these tragedies. Uh, We have some announcements. Announcement number one, GM workers at the Cami Assembly Plant in Ontario are in their third week of being on strike. Team Working for a Living fully supports the membership of Unifor Local 88, their leadership team, and the great bargaining team that they have. Announcement two, please take a, uh, a moment to note the Local Union 88 Strikes Assistance post on Facebook. I'll try and repost that on a weekly basis for those that may miss it for whatever reason. Please don't get uh, thinking that we're trying to get you two or three times. There's just a lot of people that may miss it. So we're trying to catch everybody. And it doesn't mean that you got to send $100. You know, I mean, we're just trying to get a little bit out of a, a lot of people, and that helps. They get 250 a week, strike pay. And there are going to be some people fall through the cracks. And a little bit of money from a lot of people helps out like anything else. You can break a single stick, but you put a, a bundle of them together and you can't break it. So let's let's stand strong with them. Uh, announcement number three, remember that Team Working for a Living supports Medicare for Everyone and removing the $127,000 limitation cap on earnings that are subject to participation in the Social Security program. Reminder, there is a petition on our page to sign in support of Medicare for All. And now we have an easy way for you to contact your representatives, elected officials, uh, and that's on workingforaliving.com and under contact your elected official. It's an easy way to do. And that got posted, I think, Friday, but we've had it on the page for a while. Uh, announcement number four Team Working for a Living continues to oppose the Working Families Flexibility Act. Announcement five, Team Working for a Living continues to stand shoulder to shoulder 
with the Michigan building trades against the legislation to repeal Michigan's prevailing wage. On July 7, 2017, they renewed their request to decline to sign any petition you are presented with that has anything to do with prevailing wage. Now, I want to ask you something. Stop whatever you're doing right now. Just stop what you're doing and take a moment. If you know anybody in Michigan, anybody in Michigan, give them a call and just let them know, educate them to the value of declining to sign any petition dealing with prevailing wage. I say that because one of the things that's going on is there is a marijuana initiative uh, being passed around, and they need signatures on their petition. And the other side has asked those same signature collectors to pass along their petition destroying prevailing wage. So it's a little bit of dirty pool, but as people are presented with the, and, and we support the medical, or the med, uh, adult marijuana uh, for the whole state, and then they're going to get some taxes, help pay some of the bills in Michigan. But if, uh, if they're presented with a second petition, Decline to sign anything with prevailing wage. Just take a moment, pick up the phone, call your friend if you have, or friends in the state of Michigan and let them know and ask them to tell one or two people. Thank you very much for that. That will help keep wages from being suppressed any further. We need to do this, folks. Okay, announcement number six. On Thursday, the House of Representatives passed a budget resolution along party lines by a vote of 219 to uh, 206, with 18 Republicans voting against the bill. If enacted, this legislation plans trillions of dollars in cuts to programs including federal employees' benefits, Medicare, and Medicaid. Announcement number seven. The Missouri Supreme Court refused to take up the case of right to work, paving the way for a statewide referendum vote to reverse right to work in Missouri. Good work by a lot of people to affect this. Let us pray for a full reversal of right to work when the residents do finally vote. Congratulations in Missouri to all of those who had a hand in this. Announcement number eight, both General Motors and Ford have announced a push toward electric vehicles on into the next decade. Announcement number nine, on Monday, sadly, it was announced that Autolite will be suspending operations in its Fostoria, Ohio facility. There remain 56 employees, all represented by UAW Local 533. They're closing that plant. Announcement number 10, this month, the, Michigan, the U.S. Supreme Court We'll hear a set of cases, Murphy Oil, Epic Systems, Ernst & Young, challenging the class action waivers of mandatory arbitration agreements. This bears serious scrutiny in the coming month. It can affect everything regarding labor. Announcement number 11, on October 7, 2017, 
Michigan State University unexpectedly defeated the University of Michigan by a score of 14 to 10 at Michigan Stadium. How about that? <laughs> Announcement number 12. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, this is an um fan. That happens. Anyhow, we had a little fun with it today, Jeff. Um, announcement number uh, 12, uh, October is Pinktober month in uh, breast cancer awareness. So if you have the opportunity to support that in any way, take that opportunity this month. Okay, on to the messages and email. Uh, first one, I really enjoyed the, the radio show this week, brother. I'm hoping, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what your plans are for the future. Uh, well, that's from Missouri. Uh, there, there's a lot of things. Some things, you know, I don't want to tip or, you know, the team doesn't want to tip our hand too much. Uh, but it's pretty clear that change is coming and that the ship is turning. You're seeing things like what occurred in, in Missouri. You're seeing legislators that are breaking with their party. You're seeing a strong stand over in uh, Ontario by our brothers and sisters on strike. The ship is turning, and we're going to help turn it even further once we ascend the leadership. Uh, now, uh, the email number two, uh, I enjoy what David has to say weekly. He always reports on things that are relevant. From That's from Illinois. Thank you. Uh, I'm sure David likes that. He's on assignment this week. Uh, now, or the email number three, uh, I like that Jeff is going through the Constitution from the beginning and also that Leroy sort of spells it out, too. Contract, contractual language can be Greek to a lot of us, and that's from Missouri. Thank you. Uh, it's it's uh, tough out there, okay, uh, to understand a lot of this. Uh, announcement or email number four, I just think you guys are prepared to lead. That came from several states. And uh, email number five, thanks to Jeff for his great series on the Constitution. That Constitution, that came from several states. Announcement number or email number six. Uh, this deals with the Jeff series, actually. Uh, I prefer that only bargaining unit members be actual members of the local union. Those affected in Article 6, Section 11 should only have associate membership without voting rights. That came from several states, so we did get some email feedback, so we appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks to all the messengers and uh, the email writers. Uh, for your uh, messages this week. There were a lot of them, and we consolidated a few of those, as you can tell. Uh, this week's quote, uh, from Eugene V. Debs, about that. Uh, and I quote, there is certainly something wrong in that form of unionism whose leaders are the lieutenants of capitalism. Eugene V. Debs. Let me repeat that. It bears repeating. There is certainly something wrong in that form of unionism whose leaders are the lieutenants of capitalism. Again, that's Eugene V. Debs. And without going into a lot of, the, a lot of it, I can tell you that this whole idea of dead peasants insurance 
real problem. And there are people that are culpable in this on both sides as we ponder that. I had a couple of conversations this week about that. It really infuriates a lot of folks to know the behind the scenes. We really can't say it's public, but we are of the mind that this is really, really bad stuff by our leadership. Others are looking into it. Okay. Uh, let's bring on Jeff. As uh, you're here, <laughs> as you know, he's already here. And uh, Jeff is uh, uh, here with me tonight, and probably be a little bit of a short show. Here we are at 7:12, uh, but it might be a little bit of a short show because uh, we sent David out on assignment this week. So, uh, how you doing, Jeff? I'm good, Leroy. How are you? Hey, we're, we're you know just you know tooling right along here, tooling right along. Uh, I really like that. A- uh- I really like that quote for uh, Mr. Debs. It's very, oh, yeah. very true. Oh, yeah. A lot of people yeah. don't know about him, but uh, he's a fighter. And for those who don't know, he was in prison for speaking out against World War One, and he ran for president of the United States from prison and got a lot of votes. Um, for that decade, um, very smart man, way before his time. Oh yeah, I admire him quite a bit. Yep. Um, so um, this week, um, been a little crazy, but we're moving along. Yeah, I I just want to say something without getting into it. Uh, you know, we had some occurrences uh, this late in the week, Uh, and without going into it completely, I just am befuddled why leadership could take a position that says something's true and confirmed, and a few weeks later write write another uh, document that says that it's false. I just wonder who's running the ship at Solidarity House. I tell you, and the same guy's signature's on it. You know? I mean, mean, it's one one thing just kind of depend on your people that are, you you know, handling such matters. They have to know what they're doing. Because when you put your signature on something today and it says, oh, we confirmed that this is true, and maybe even had a little prompted by outside uh, entity to do that, to affirm that it's true, confirm. And then four weeks later, Mm, no, eight weeks later. Eight weeks later, sign a document that says that what's being said is false. 
One says true and confirms it. The next document says false and brings a whole lot of heart uh, and hate and discontent from all of that. So I got to tell you, I, I just, I don't know who's running the ship there, but it needs to be changed. It just needs to be changed. And we aspire to rise to leadership, ascend to leadership, and change all of that sort of stuff. This is just lunacy, absolute lunacy, what crossed my desk yesterday and today. I can't believe it. I just cannot believe it, Jeff. We don't probably want to go into that any further, but uh, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this is bad, as bad as it gets. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. The fact is, some of the fingers on the right hand don't know what the other fingers on the right hand are doing. Pick a hand. It doesn't matter which one. So having said that, uh, Jeff, you have your report. Is you, you know, if you I don't think we ought to get into that anymore, but you might have some little comment on it. Do you want to comment or just let it go? I'll just let it go, Leroy. Um, Sounds we'll, good. We'll handle it in time. So. Yeah, I know. I know. You guys are going to do a good job down there. So it's uh, just just crazy. Just absolutely crazy. Yes, I can't believe, believe it. Unbelievable. Uh, it, it'll come out in time. It'll be all a matter of public yes, record. Yes, it will. Before long. Yep. Everything. And uh, so it's uh, just amazing. <laughs> just amazing. So, all right. Uh, you have your report on the uh, Constitution. Uh, you might want to cover uh, that issue from last week um, uh, that, that uh, kind of got put on hold that was also commented on in some of the email. So uh, you want to go ahead and take off, Jeff. Did we want to re- revisit Section 11 of Article 6? That's yeah, just, just briefly, I mean, just yeah. be, and to the degree that, you know, we did get some feedback on it. What, what are your thoughts yeah. on it, Jeff? Uh, yeah, it, it deserves some attention by people, and uh, we really need to decide um, if we need to have this section in the Constitution or shall we change the wording or just delete it um, so here it is, Section 6, Article 6, Section 11, that we discussed last week. No application shall be accepted from one designated as a head of a department directing company policy or having authority to hire and discharge workers. Members of the union who are promoted to such positions shall be issued a withdrawal card immediately by the local union in conformity of Article 17 of this Constitution, members promoted to minor positions where they worked with their co-workers and do not have the power of discipline by hiring or discharging employees may retain their membership in the local union at the discretion of the local union. Uh, that was... We need to work on this somehow. Um, and we, I thank people who are writing emails on this, that it does need some attention at the next convention. Um, having said that, we will move on to 
um, Article 7. I'm going to do a little bit today. Um, cover Article 7 and a couple of subsections in Article 12. Or 8. Eight yeah. Okay, Article 7. Powers of Administration, Section 1. And this is very good, so pay attention. The International Union shall be governed by its membership in the following matter. Section 1A, the highest tribunal shall be in an international convention composed of delegates democratically elected by the membership of local unions. Uh, section 1B, between conventions, the highest authority shall be in the international executive board. The board shall hold regular quarterly meetings at such and such special meetings as are required. Uh, C. Between meetings of the International Executive Board, the administrative authority of the International Union shall be vested in the International President. The International President shall be responsible to the International Executive Board for the administration of the Union between the International Executive Board meetings according to the Constitution, the actions of the International Convention and the decisions of the International Executive Board. All other matters of major importance, he, she, shall consult the other International Executive Officers. He, she, shall, shall support, report his or her actions to the International Executive Board for its approval or rejection. Uh, 1D, in case of incapacity of the international president, her or his powers and duties shall be assumed by an officer of the international union who shall be selected by the international executive board. Section 2, to achieve the objectives and purposes of this organization, set as forth in this Constitution, the funds of this organization are authorized to be managed, vested, expanded, or used under this article in the Constitution not only for the purpose and objectives expressly set forth in Article 2, and otherwise in this Constitution, but also for any additional purposes and objectives not inconsistent with as any contained at such time in the resolutions and the programs adopted and or ratified by any international convention or which the International Executive Board believes will further the general interests of the welfare of the membership of this organization or any substantial part thereof. That's the entire Article 7. We'll go to the first two sections of Article 8 is conventions. Section 1. The 37th Constitutional Convention shall be held during the month of June 2018 provided that the date of holding such convention may be advanced or delayed two months upon resolution to that effect adopted by the International Executive Board. Section 2, 
business of the International Convention shall proceed in the following order as otherwise ordered by the Convention. One, call of order. Two, report on credentials. Three, reading Convention rules. Four, appointing committees. Five, communication and bills. Six, resolutions, etc. Seven, reports of committees. Eight, report of officers in the International Executive Board. Nine, nomination and election of officers in the International Trustee. Ten, unfinished business. Eleven, new business. Twelve, adjournment. That's that's how it's supposed to be, the pecking order at the convention. That's their their, um, agenda, more or less. So, what do you think, Leroy? That's that's a real good job, Jeff. Um, uh, Let's uh, go over Article 7 a little bit, if you don't mind. Uh, Okay. Section 1A. Okay, the highest tribunal shall be the International Convention composed of delegates democratically elected by the membership of local unions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so there's a lot of discussion out there about uh, who gets to vote for the officers. Is it the delegates or they want to go to a one-man, one-vote or one-sister brother, one vote. Uh, So one person, one member, one vote, uh, however you want to say that. Uh, This may need some adjusting on this Article 7, Section 1A. Should there be a change in the voting for officers in that uh, the, the highest tribunal with the exception of the election of officers will be by the delegates democratically elected by the membership of the local union. So this may need some adjustment, but that would be in a single resolution further down where it uh, outlines the election of officers. Uh, So this is something we want to keep in mind because as you're finding out, brothers and sisters, there's little nuances that you may not think affect other parts of the Constitution that need to be addressed. And this is one of those. Okay. Uh, the other thing that I believe uh, the uh, Section 2 is that where it's said that they need to be all the uh, uh, actions by the president or executive board? Oh, here, uh, uh, yeah, the the actions by the president shall be uh, put to the international executive board for approval or rejection. So the president's actions have to be uh, approved or rejected on a quarterly basis or as a, a special uh, uh, IEB meeting be held, okay? And then those 
international decisions then um, need to be approved by convention. Okay, and I believe that's in section two. Just so everybody understands uh, that, uh, yeah, this adopted or ratified at the international convention. Uh, so they uh, uh, they need to have approval. So they just don't operate without some sort of uh, uh, oversight by the convention. Now, typically, you know, unless you really do something pretty bad, uh, you, you're going to get that approval at convention. And the president's likely going to get most of that stuff approved by the International Executive Board, with rare exception. Because, one, the president needs to be in communication with the entire executive board on a regular basis. Uh, so that that's about the issue. I mean, I wanted to point out that they just don't make decisions on their own. They have to get the approval of the larger uh, body, One, whether the president has to have that approved by the IEB itself and then those decisions approved by the convention itself. So, uh, you know, they're they're not out there, supposedly not out there like a bunch of cowboys making decisions on their own. You, there is some oversight here and some accountability and you have to be doing the right thing. Okay. So regarding Article 8 conventions, uh, I want to point out what Jeff said on Section 2 as he read this out. Uh, shall proceed in the, the business of the international convention shall proceed in the following order unless otherwise ordered by the convention. Pay attention to that unless otherwise ordered by the convention. So if the convention moves to change the order of business, that can be changed. And that can be changed at any time during the convention, from the opening call to order to the closing adjournment, whatever's left of the uh, agenda. Well, you know, after the so far down the the agenda, it'd just be pointless, but you could change it if you wanted to. Uh, so um, uh, just know that those are items that you need to be paying attention to uh, because I believe they're going to come up in the future. So uh, having said that, uh, do you have anything to add to that, your report, Jeff? Yeah. Um, Article 7, Section 1. Or 1A, where delegates democratically elected. That's, we've been trying to fight that battle for many years. And I think part of the problem is the same people from every local keep getting elected as delegates. Um, and most of them are trying to get on board the, the happy bus with the international. Uh, my plant, we always have a low voter turnout for delegate election. Um, but like I said before, we really have to pay attention on who we vote as delegates. We need to ask them what their positions are, especially on this um, section. And my favorite saying comes from Gandhi. 
what happens it depends what happens on tomorrow depends on what we do today um, so keep in mind folks we can't keep sending the same people over and over again and expect something different to happen um, that's all I got Leroy. right um, okay it's just I think it's too important. People need to be aware of it and vote for people wanting to do the right thing instead of getting on the happy bus. Agreed, Jeff. Agreed. Uh, those people that you know perennially get elected, these they, they say, well, it's just a great big party. It doesn't matter. This affects you and everything that you do because these people elect the leadership. And if you're happy with the leadership, you continue to send her ass down there to wherever convention going to be next time. But if you're unhappy, if you're unhappy, then you pay attention because you're going to have the opportunity. You're going to have the opportunity to support team working for a living. And we promise you the change will occur under leadership. We have some great people, great people on on this team. It's diverse in just about any any way that you can imagine. It's not just David, Jeff and myself. We're protecting those people from attacks. We've had a few people on this show that have been attacked and made a decision until it's time. They won't know who to attack anymore. They've been trying to find out. They've sent just about every little emissary they can find. Oh, yeah, we, who's we? We heard that from Who's we? Well, you know, you'll find out in the proper time. But believe me, they got really strong credentials. These are great people, great people that with experience, with experience executive board experience at the local union level, bargaining team experience, great people, believe me. They are uh, just amazing, and they're just some of the best people I've ever worked with. Just just amazing. I mean, I think it, it, as this comes together, I, I, I just know somebody's got a hand in it, way beyond us. So having said that, um, uh, I want to talk a, a couple of things. If that's all you had on that, Jeff. Sorry, got me right. Oh, okay. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, that's a wonderful report. Clap, 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 clap. We're going to have some special effects here pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got to go for store and buy some. <laughs> yeah, some of this stuff gets pretty dry, but, you know, and we, we, we heard the brothers and the sisters down in uh, Ohio, and you know who you are. Shout out to you. We heard you, and we're going to do our best to make it not quite so dry. Uh, and, you know, it's it's just dry topic here. It's just when you're, you know, uh, just trudging through, uh, you know, language that's in the Constitution, you got to know that it's pretty dry stuff. Okay, so we'll, we'll try to make it a little... Little juice, juice it up a little bit for you, if you call, if you uh, will. Uh, I want to follow up on 
a little bit last week. We talked about uh, this, you know, this whole thing starting to uh, look like it's wanting to manifest itself and turn around uh, regarding this whole economy in the sense that the velocity of money has been on a 45-degree angle down since 2000. That's in the face of uh, $8 trillion being infused from the year 2008, full year of 2008 on into 2015. Uh, $8 trillion got infused. That masked the loss of our jobs. So people knew what they were doing. This isn't. This is not random. This is orchestrated. There are people that have purposely destroyed the United States of America. Okay? I can point to them and tell you who they are, but I don't want to get into a name-calling situation. Having said that, as we roll along, and it seems like this is getting closer and closer, I want to make you aware of some things. Uh, in 1929 and in 1987, we had catastrophic drops. We had another significant drop in 1989, uh, 1986, 96, and 98. Uh, that pretty significant, but not, uh, uh, you know, limiting. But I guess the one in 98 was a limit down. The circuit breakers that were in, in, enacted uh, in originally uh, uh, in the 90s. Uh, they were at 350 and 550, respectively. Uh, if it fell that to 350, it was a little, little uh, interruption, and then the 550 got triggered later uh, on that day. I think it was 98, 96, I think. So, but... They've changed a little since then. Uh, it got changed in the late 90s after that to a 10%, uh, 20%, and 30% uh, drop. And that was calculated on the Dow closing average for the last month of the quarter. I know that sounds like a lot of, you know, uh, detail. But... Uh, that's how it was, it, and that stayed that way for the whole quarter. And uh, there were interruptions if it fell to 10% or 20%, and then went to 30%. If it after two two o'clock, I believe it was, it wouldn't uh, could only fall 20%. Uh, the, the last trigger could not be triggered. Uh, that's been changed in the last couple of years. And this is what we have now. So you, this is what you really need to pay attention to, okay? Uh, it's no longer calculated on the Dow Jones. It's calculated on the Standard & Poor 500. The symbol for that is the SPX, okay? And the circuit breakers kick in at 7% down. You have an interruption, half an hour. At 13% down, interruption of a half hour, and a 20% drop, and that is the shutdown for the bounce of the day, if it's not already at the end of the day, or right at the end of the day. So 7%, 13%, and 20% down, calculated 
on the Standard & Poor 500, okay, and that's calculated every day. It no longer does the end of the month, uh, the end of the quarter based on the last month of the quarter. It's recalculated every day. Currently, so that you know, the 7% is 175 Standard & Poor 500 points. That's the 7%. 13% is 326, and 20% is 500. Standard poor 500 points. Uh, 500 points. It happens to be the same number. Okay, so so that you know, a uh, maximum move on the uh, standard poor 500 at 500 points would be Dow points 4,466. Okay. Now we don't know if that's going to get triggered or not. There's a lot of nervous people out there. I want you to understand if it does, this is what you're facing. I can tell you that if the Dow were to fall 659 points, remember we talked about the resistance level across the highs for the Dow being at 17.4, uh, that, that drop of about 659 points, 660 if you will, would then, if that maximum move kicked in, that would uh, be a maximum move. Now, probably recalculated be like 4,300 points, maybe something like that, in that neighborhood, because it'll recalculate every day since uh, as this goes forward. Uh, we don't know. Nobody's got a crystal ball. There's no soothsayers here. You've heard what David Stockman had to say. We're just giving you some technical. Support levels, we're giving you the information about the circuit breakers that you may see triggered or not. I might add on the circuit breakers, uh, after 345, the circuit breakers can only go to 13%, and that would be a free fall to 13%. It wouldn't have an interruption at 7. Okay, so after 345, the 20% is not in play, only the full 13% with no uh, circuit breaker kicking in at 7. So that's our understanding of the circuit breakers. As, as we've, you know, I've researched those on several different uh, entities. So you need to know this is uh, out there and how that's going to operate should they get triggered. 7, 13, and 20 percent. The average of the last 20 days, the last, yeah, the last 20 days, the standard poor 500. Okay. Having said that, uh, Jeff, do you have any questions on that? No, I don't. Okay. Thank you. No, uh, we're, in, we're in interesting times, folks. You just need to know what the possibilities are. All right. So, having said that, um, to the next item, and this is real disturbing. Uh, we've been presented with uh, the uh, thought that temporaries are being inhumanely treated in the, the, the facilities of the Detroit Three all the factories. 
just inhumane. Uh, you know, they're working. Uh, somebody reported they worked 29 days, and they said, I'll agree to work 16 hours if I can have a day off. Most states, that's against the law. And uh, it was reported that that is against the law in the state that that was, you know, uh, occurring in. They treat these temporaries as if they're second-class citizens and inhumane, inhuman, and use inhumane tactics of dealing with them. Most of these people, when they get hired, many later in their life, 40, you know, 45 years old, for example, when they hire in, they're screened by an outside company, but they are hired by the company that hired, that hired them. They're not working for the temporary organization. They're just screened by them. We talked a little bit about that screening process last week. And then once they get in there, they think, I have this job for the balance of my career, my working life. If I'm 45, I'll work till 65 and Hopefully, I'll have enough money, you know, a little nest egg, plus uh, what Social Security might pay me at, at about that time. I, I don't have a pension or health care in retirement. Of course, you know, the health care might be affected regarding Medicare by legislation that's being considered right now. So that's the mindset of these young people and middle-aged people get hired in to our factory system for the Detroit Three. I got a good job now. I'm going to stay with it, and I'm going to continue to work and be a good employee. You know, most of these people, middle-aged, a lot of them, you know, there's a few around 30, not too many real young folk. But they're there, you know, there's no you know, exclusion of the younger people. But there's a lot of people that are simply looking at this as their life's career, what they want to do. I'm going to report out that one middle-aged person, a member, and what happened to this member. I won't get into the name, type of work or location or even the state. But I will tell you, most of the workers' comp laws, with few exceptions, are benchmarked. In other words, how they handle an injury in the workplace is virtually the same. Money levels may be a little different. But essentially, how it's handled is virtually the same. This member, working along, supposed to be on a rotation of jobs. Job didn't rotate because they found this member to be uniquely suited to do the hardest job in the 
team. Now, there's a whole argument about job rotation and all the disadvantages to it. But in this instance, this job was so difficult that job rotation would have benefited the member. On this difficult job, this member started having hand swelling. Member went to first aid and they put some ice on it, sent him sent the member back to work. And the member it didn't help that much. Another day or two goes by, member goes to first aid again. This time human resource comes down and says to the member, we're going to not put you back to work. You're out of work as a temporary because you have no you have no rights as a temporary. You're basically not a human being as a temporary. But we're going to give you the opportunity to correct your problem by swelling of your hand. You have four days to get better. <laughs> it it took eight to ten weeks for it to develop as bad as it did. But the members got four days to get better, according to the human resource person. Four days without pay. Person comes back and unable to perform the job. They call him in, start talking to him about signing some sort of a, uh, a resignation. And the member says, get the committee person in here. The committee person comes in, and they say, yeah, we want you to sign this resignation so it will be easier on you when you come back after you get better. And the member said, no. And the human resource person, because this member got injured on the job and didn't get better in four days, was discharged for being hurt on the job. Member remains after nearly a year out of work from the facility that the member worked at. After some efforts by governmental and legal authorities, the member's medical bills are being paid. It turns out that it, there are some serious nerve damage done to the member's wrist. Y'all need to hear this. How they're treating UAW member. Then 
turns out that in communication with governmental entity, there are a number of members from the same facility that the same thing has happened to. This is not an isolated incident. It's a constructive discharge attempt. That's a legal term, constructive discharge. Attempt at avoiding workers' comp payments and medical payments for their failure to manage the jobs appropriately and as a result of doing too much work with few, too few people. This person got injured because of that, our member. There's been no resolution to the grievance that did get written. And the member's still without pay, earning much less at menial jobs that the member is capable of doing that are not jobs that he, the member use, needs to use the member's hand with. So, um, message to management. Correct this behavior on the part of your human resource agents. Correct it. Because when we ascend to leadership, that will not be acceptable. Might be now because of the weak people that you have there dealing with you, but it won't be acceptable. And the idea that temporaries are being treated like this without a pathway, direct pathway to seniority and subpay and the full consideration for workers' comp that should be there no matter what kind of job you're doing and what your status is, you get hurt on the job. Virtually every state in the United States says that you will have a safety net, and the company that hurt you is going to pay for your medical bills and nominally pay some wages for you while you're out. This particular member seeks only to finish the member's career in their work life. That's all. Go back to work. Give a reasonable time for healing and whatever surgeries may be required and go back to work. And then it's up to the union to stop built-in quality numbers that cause our members to do more with less. Brought to my attention that I think they call it BIQ, built-in quality. I may stand corrected, but if you're not a BIQ for you can't get new work. Now, how does a plant 
facility get a BIQ number that's for? Are they cheating? Are they doing things that are not all that good to get the BIQ for? Does the BIQ for, is it reflective of first-time quality from a similar facility? If they're both at 80% first-time quality, how can one have a BIQ 4 and one a BIQ 3? Nobody's looking at that, though, are they? They're just looking at somebody that somehow got a BIQ 4, and they're going to get the new work. The BIQ 4 came out of Cindy Estrada's mouth at the sub-council last week, week ago. Vice President Estrada, it is not your business to be assessing who gets new work and who doesn't. That is a management function. You, sister, are supposed to be sticking up some members like I just articulated about. Again, you have got a failing grade. And each and every member of the International Executive Board is in this same boat. There are no outsiders. You're all culpable for what's going on. Each and every one of the five executive officers and the nine regional directors, all 14 of you are culpable for what's happening to our membership on the plant floor, temporaries being injured, on, at work and being fired. It's unacceptable. Categorically wrong and inhumane. And those members of management, human resource experts, need to rethink their ways real soon. Because this ship will tip over before it goes any further if you don't straighten it out. And you know exactly and specifically what I'm talking about. Change is coming. The people that are there espousing the stuff that come out of Cindy Estrada's mouth and the letter she wrote last week is going to change. It's going to end. It's unacceptable. More and more people are listening to this show and paying attention to the good things that are being done and aspire to be done. And the silent majority is You can rest assured of that. And we want to thank each and every supporter out there. But for you, none of us could help to make this better. So thank you. Okay, Jeff, do you have anything to say on that side of the report? No, you hit it on the button. And there's, I know several people over the years have had the same problem. And even right now, um, our part-time people are being abused. They've been working full-time for over the last two years. And we need them. Like in my area, we can't run supply the line with parts without these part-timers coming in every day. They need to be put in full-time status. And 
the international is part of the problem. They're not forcing the companies to hire these people full-time. And that's unacceptable. Our contracts is one thing. Um, it's not up to them to to go against the contract. They're supposed to enforce the contract. And it's just a shame that all these people were either getting hurt or working every day as a part-time person. And it's a damn shame what this international union leadership has allowed um, what is happening inside these plants. It's unacceptable. It's um, degrading. And you all better get off your ass. Or next time this year, you may be retiring or you may be somewhere in the plants. I don't know. I'm not saying this is a threat. Y'all don't get it. They have no idea what's going on. Y'all up there singing by the campfire, holding hands, singing kumbaya, everything is well. And it's not. Um, I've been around 30 years. I've been active in my union for 30 years. And it's a shame. It really is. Um, something's got to change, Leroy. You know, we hear from the people on the floor every day. Every day we hear. Um, it's not right. Yeah, we I, I got it. We, we, we're coming up on a two-year anniversary of of the 2015 national agreement, and yet Flat Rock, where I'm at, we still don't have a local agreement. Because the international is on the side of management and wants us to take more concessions. And I say, hell no. So you guys better get off your ass and support these locals in getting a, a fair contract. It's going to end. People have had enough. Agreed, Jeff. They. You need to start acting like union leaders instead of managers. Cindy mm-hmm. Estrada exactly. sounded like a manager at the Works Council. She wrote a letter that sounded like management last week at Jeff Covered. Or, I'm sorry, David Covered. apologize. The one thing I want to say, though, is uh, to you staff people listening, we understand there's a staff council. Nobody's going back to the work, back to the, the plant that's, uh, you know, not in a reduction of force or anything like that. We just don't know what may occur. But you're, you're not going to selectively be sent back to the, or wholesalely be sent back to the, to the plant floor without some process occurring according to whatever may be, if at all, okay? Uh, you may be organizing Eskimos up in Alaska, where there's no cell towers and no phone service. But probably not going back to the plant floor because of the staff council agreement. We're well aware of that. Just be, you know, on notice. 
that the whole ethos of this union is going to change in about eight months. From vice president saying this is how work is going to be allocated to new plants to telling management run your company because we're done doing that for you. When you make a mistake, we'll hold you accountable. But we're done. And we're also done telling our people to do more with less to the point where major injuries are occurring, workplace injuries. We know the numbers are creeping up real bad. You're going to wind up having some people get hurt even worse if you don't put a reasonable workload back on the plant floor. We know what time of day it is. And you cross the line. You really have crossed the line. And you're going to change it. And there's a lot of things that you're going to change. You heard Jerry Diaz say we're going to get government of Canada and the government of the United States involved. That's already being done. That's a product of this this radio show. God bless you, brother. I hope you do everything that you're capable of doing along those lines. And we have some more to add about dead peasants insurance, but we got a little research to do. Okay? So we're not done with that issue. And we're going to be like a pit bull, just an absolute pit bull about that issue because it's costing our members billions of dollars. That's about to end. So having said that, okay, Jeff, uh, is there anything at all that you'd care to t- uh, discuss before we close the show? Uh, no, I don't. Um, it's been a busy week. It's going to get busier this week. Um, everybody have a safe week, and um, we'll see you next weekend, next Sunday night. Yep, we sure will. Uh, yeah, it'll be the uh, 15th, October 15th next week. We'll be back. Um, thank you, Jeff. Uh, and uh, I want to uh, remind everybody that our email address is workingforaliving at workingforaliving.com. You can follow us on Blog Talk Radio. You can ch- catch all these uh, radio shows now on uh, workingforaliving.com. Or you can go up in the top right-hand corner. We're syndicated four different places, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and Player FM. And, of course, on you can see these shows now on workingforliving.com. Thank you to everybody that's listening. If you found value in this show, in any aspect of it, please tell just one more person about us. The numbers are growing exponentially, and you're in good company. Thank you very much for passing it along. I want to have a hearty shout-out to all our friends around the globe, our friends in Canada and Mexico, all the local unions across the United States and around the country who listen in. We really appreciate your support, and it's growing every day. Thank you very much. Uh, Listeners, good night. Stay safe. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you again on October the 15th. Correction on the notes for those of you looking at them. (laughs) 
uh, hope you all have a, a, a good week coming up, and uh, good night, good night, listeners. Good night, Jeff. Thank you. Okay. Thank you.